When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Celtic Now Anthra podcast. My name is Ryan Crawford, and this is an interview... You've played an interview with Sam Wardrobe, who's joining me and Robert on the podcast. Sam, how's things, mate? Good. Thank you for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to having a chat this evening. Um, as I say, it's not so a pleasure, Sam. Obviously, lockdown. Um, so it's just been as I want me to talk about and obviously get yourself on, sharing your experiences of football. And it's kind of good to, to hear your experiences. Um, Robert, how's things, mate? Good, Ryan. Thanks. Yourself? I'm not bad, mate. Not bad. Obviously, Sam, we were talking before uh, on, uh, on air. Um, it's lockdown. Um, and obviously we're talking about ways how you've been getting yourself involved, obviously, to get to help yourself and now. Obviously, you can't play football at the moment. Um, how's how's it been so far for you at lockdown at the moment? Uh, so I was just saying to Robert um, just before we went live there that fortunately for myself, um, I started a business up at the start of lockdown. Um and it's it's been my, my kind of saviour, especially with football on and off. It's given me a real focus. Um it's a kind of it's just a fitness business and it's been growing steady over the last year, and I've I've kind of I've loved it. I've been very fortunate to find that. Um, I know it's a really tough time for loads of people, um, especially no football. And as you were saying earlier, with no pub to chat about the football, um, you can't see your mates, you can't chat about what's been happening at the weekend or during the week, that sort of thing. Um, so so far, I mean, I, I've I've been very fortunate. As I said I've been lucky, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to telling you about the kind of upbringing I had at Celtic, that sort of thing, um, and how it was for me. And obviously, on that, um, how, how did you actually, growing up, how did you get into football? And was it through your family? Or was it just watching football? How did you get into actually liking football and getting, a, getting your hands on a football? So basically, I just started kind of uh, playing for a boys club um, when I was really young. And Celtic all kind of started for me when I was about 12. Um, I think physically I was quite developed for my age and I was kind of excelling. So I had a trial. Um, this is back when I was 12 years old. I'm 23 now. I 23. Old man. Um, so that's basically 11 years ago. And went on a trial. It was down at Barrafield, the old Celtic training ground. That's where kind of the, the younger teams were. I'm not sure if they're still there. I think they do still use it. I was on trial there for the kind of summer. Um and eventually they signed me. And from there, I spent 10 years at the academy uh, working through under 12s, under 13s, under 14s, all the way up to signing my first professional contract at 16. Um, and I was there until I was 20, 21. Um, and I had a, an unbelievable time. Um, lots of people will have, maybe ex-youth players will have lots of good things, lots of bad things to say about their journey sometimes doesn't always end the way they want to. Obviously, the dream is to play for the first team. Um, but what I've kind of came to realise over the last year, I had a lot of thinking time, um, is how much I actually learned from being at the club. Um, you you travelled the world, you've got amazing life experiences, and it's only now, as I've got a bit older, that I've, I've kind of realised all the things I learned, um, looking after my body, um, having high standards and, and life generally. Um so my experience of growing up at Celtic was was brilliant, really. That's all I can say. Because obviously, see, Faye, how did that actual move happen? See, like when you were younger, 
I see, but even back to younger days, how we, we always out playing football in the streets, like as uh, me and Walt were talking about, that's the way we used to just play football in the streets. You were playing 10, 21 hours, you were just growing up playing football. Was that the kind of same where you grew up, or did you actually have a bit more structure growing up? No, definitely. I was the same. Um, I was actually thinking about this the other day, and I think it's changed as well. I don't think young kids go out and play football like what we used to do. I remember kind of when I was primary school age, you'd come home from school, you'd go straight down to the park, and you'd play football until it was dinner. You'd come home, get a bite to eat, and you'd go straight back out again until you couldn't see the football anymore, until it was pitch black. And then you'd go home, go to sleep, and do the exact same the next day. Um, and I just have memories of kind of like going down with my mates and you'd, you'd play all these different games, you know. And I even remember like trying to create kind of a mini football club and stuff in the local area where we lived. And it was just like 24-7 football in your mind, watching clips of, uh, you know, it was Ronaldinho was, but I was always watching clips of back then. Um, but yeah, as you said, it was just football nonstop. And then into the boys' clubs, um, still playing football, like mad probably, bit of school football as well at high school, and then started to get a bit more serious. I think when you start to turn about eleven or twelve, thirteen, um, the opportunities start arising to go into the, the, the professional clubs. I know you can go in younger; mm-hmm. they have kids in really young just now, um, which I think it's fine. But the one thing I would say, um, if there's anyone with, with young kids growing up, I know I know you do, Robert. You probably want them to to be kicking the ball soon if he's not already. But I would yeah. say let 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 your kid enjoy football for as long as they can. Just let them have fun. Don't put any pressure on them to be anything or do anything. That's what I, that's what I would say. That's what I, that's the upbringing I had really, and it's worked out well for me. I see what you're saying, that Sam. I feel now, as young kids getting into getting into clubs at a young age and getting coached, I feel the coaches overcoach them. I feel what you should do is just let players express themselves, and I feel. Sometimes I'm no I'm no any coach of any standard, but I just feel sometimes it's a bit too structured. It's like the triangle kind of at the Barcelona way or passing and moving. And sometimes I feel like young boys like Karamoko Dembele at Celtic, for instance, mm-hmm. um, when he was 13, they tipped him to be the hottest prospect in world football because the young boy used to just do what he he done yeah. naturally. And I feel now with Celtic and maybe not just Celtic, but a lot of youth clubs is. I try to structure them into a, a system and try to get them to you know just express themselves the way he did when he was young. I don't know how you feel on that sort of thing. No, I hear, I hear what you're saying, and I, I would agree. You, you do you do get a lot of coaches, or maybe too much, especially when you're when you're very young. Um, which is why, as as a parent, I think you just need to like not not be like that, not be the coach as well for your kid. I mean, you can give them advice and stuff like that, but they probably are getting a lot of it from from their coaches at the clubs. And what you're saying, the likes of young kind of prospects like Garamoko and stuff like that, is these guys haven't lost their ability. They're still still very good players, unbelievable players. Um, but from 13 to to 21, there's a lot of movement there's a lot of kind of you'll come up you'll peak you'll go down just like first team players do um it's not plain sailing it's not just this one line where you're just getting better and better and better and better um it might be a month it might be two months it might be a season's time you start to see somebody like Karim Oko really come into come into a game um, and as we talked about before we jumped on there's so many factors that can play a part on the pitch off the pitch players personal lives coaches there's so much there's so many variables um, and to be honest, when you when you see a player in form, it's usually because a lot of these things are aligned. I would say, um, from my experience, yeah, that's actually quite a good thing you say, Sam. Because I think in general life, if you're feeling well and you're doing well, normally the rest of your life goes well. Like for talk say I'm a Celtic fan. If Celtic win in the Monday, I'm going to work. I'm happy. I'm buzzing. Yeah. The rest of my week, I'm all happy. And, the same when, when I played football, I think Robert might be the same. When I played football, I'm a, I was a striker, so if I scored, I was buzzing. Can't be go to training, go to work, I'm buzzing. That's I it. Everything about your life, if, 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 if I mean general life, if things are doing well, your life can, at that time, a lot of good vibes come about you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think every single person that's played football or, or is a football fan it would be on the same boat if you win a game, if you play well, if you score, like nothing else matters. Everything in life is good. Um, 
But then the minute you've not scored, you've not won, not had a good game, everything in life is is bad. Um, it's funny how it's funny how it works, um, and it's not just the players that feel like, as you said, it's fans, coaches. It's 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 funny. It's funny how it does that. Okay. Your case, Sam. Sorry. What's that? Is it Celtic? Was that a good edu- education? How did you feel it developed you as a person and stuff? Um, so I would say, like it was, it was, it was very, very good. Like looking back, you probably only appreciate it as you get older and you realise what the club did for you as a youngster growing up. I mean, not only did they provide you with everything you needed from a football point of view, they provided everything you needed from an education point of view in terms of school. Uh, you guys have probably heard about the school project they have at St. Innings. Kirky, where the youngsters go in. I mean, when I was there, it was it was third year. I think now they've got boys in from first year. Um, and just having, looking after their education, giving them the tools to do well there, giving them the tools to do well at training. Um, it's not it's not just the football they look after you with. Like, what I learned was how to look after my body nutritionally, how to sleep properly, what I needed sleep-wise, psychologists in place um, to help you on that side of things, the mental side of the game. Um, and it's really, I mean, the players that are in there just now, probably, I mean, some of them will, they might not appreciate it as much. Um, but when they come out the other end, they'll look back and think, wow, like, that was... That was very, I, I, I got looked after, you know what I mean? See the school, St. Ninians, ask the up and cook and tell it now, Sam. Um, see the school up there, do you feel that was a better place for you to um, be educated and stuff, away from where obviously where you're brought up and stuff? Um, so for me, kids, young kids could be brought up in East End of Glasgow, which I'm originally from, and I could see where Celtic and Rangers like to take them out of that environment because. A lot of crime and stuff can happen in that area. Um, I just feel, I don't know, I'm asking you the opinion. Do you feel what took into a nicer area and obviously better education and stuff helped? Aye, I would, I would say, I would say it's, it's a good school. It's in a good area. Um, and for a lot of boys, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really lift them up. Um, but, but ultimately, like the decision, you have to be responsible as well as a youngster. Like, um, to, to work hard to do the work in terms of the schooling. Um, but yeah, I, I know a lot of boys, even now, who have come out of the Celtic stuff and they've got some qualifications behind them. Whereas, I don't want to speak badly of other clubs, but I don't know if all the clubs in Scotland um, do that for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so not only are you coming out with a good football CV from the club, um, you're also coming out with qualifications as well that are going to help you. See, I've heard just... of, sorry Ryan, I've no, no, heard no. of like Rangers and Celtic actually buying young kids' families' houses and that, um, just outside the rougher areas in Glasgow. Is that true, Sam? Or is that just... <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a good question because I've also heard those rumours as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, it's, it's, it's honestly, some of it could be true. I mean, nobody yeah. bought me a house, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I can speak to myself. But I mean... I think it maybe does happen. Um, the rumours have got to come from somewhere and they're not that un- unbelievable. You hear it at clubs down south as well, how mm-hmm. if boys maybe aren't of age to pay contracts, they, they look after the family. And I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, if you've... if you've, it's, 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 I don't think it's a bad thing to do. Um, but I have heard I have heard it does happen. Um, but you have to be a good player, a really good player. <laughs> I can imagine. If you see, obviously you're talking about how you're like you're well looked after and stuff. I, a lot of people don't really, a lot of people don't really see things. And say like obviously when you started off as a youth, you, you educational wise, people just think you're a football and that's that. It's a lot more than that, and it. You've got to deal with, as you say, is your eating habits, sleeping <clears> well. As you're brought up, I think Celtic are. I don't know what it's like now. Obviously, but when I told me Burns, you were brought up to be a better person. Obviously, it was a, obviously families are a lot involved in it. It was a quite close connection. Is that obviously still the same when you were there? I definitely. I mean, they're, they're trying to shape you as an individual, not just a, as a footballer when you're coming up through the academy. Um, and honestly, see, see if you, you're in there from a young age, the, the boys in your team do become pretty much your family because you see them every single day, pretty much. Um, it's like an extended family. And I'm still good mates with a lot of the boys that were in the squad. Um, we had a very, very good team. 
a few of them have done are, are doing really well at the moment. Um, like you KT and Jamie McCart still playing at St Johnson, and there's loads of boys that are still playing um, kind of low, lower leagues as well in Scotland, a couple abroad, and I think just from my age group, it goes to show that we did have a good kind of because I know I know they talk about the turnover of maybe only one or two still continuing to play at my age, um, but a lot of us are still playing, which is good. Um, some of us um, doing a, doing really well down at Arsenal. <laughs> 70 grand a week. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> You're all right, wouldn't it? Aye. And you were the captain in the Youth Cup final, won against Rangers in 2017. Is that correct? Aye, so, so we did, we did, we did, to be honest with you, I was there for so many years. We won, you know, Glasgow Cups and a good few Youth Cups. I remember playing in a good few finals, but I was the captain in, in one of them. Um, of course, beating Rangers. Uh, a good few times in those finals, uh, which was nice, and they were they were amazing moments. Obviously, it's at youth level, but it was still amazing. Um, there was there was fans letting and stuff like that. So it was at Hamden, um, played at Celtic Park for a few finals as well. And again, at youth level, there's still there's still loads of fans. I think there was one there was one at Celtic Park, and I'm sure there was about ten thousand. Obviously, it's not quite the sixty thousand, but there was ten thousand there. Um, and it, I don't know, like fifteen, sixteen. It's it's crazy. Um, I think I'm at that one actually. Yeah, that one. It was guys sitting off pyro, so was that that must have been you. The, 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 the main stand, they have it in two. Aye, main stand. That's that it. Was, that, 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 <laughs> sad as I used to go everywhere and like follow your games and all that. But brilliant. I suppose just to see Celtic beat Rangers at any level is good. Aye, brilliant. But um, back to your point earlier, uh, Ryan, in terms of they, they do look after you, shaping you up, um, looking after your education stuff, but when you do sign your, your contract, um, it's 16, 17, 18. The focus shifts more to, to the football side of things. Um, the focus is on trying to make it. And the first team, like really looking after your body, really dialing in on your football ability, playing games at the top level. Um, so we we mirrored the Champions League. It was, it was an amazing thing. Um, so the, the first team, obviously, any time they made the group stages, we would mirror that as a youth team. So we'd fly out on, on the kind of private, the chartered flight with the first team, um, you'd stay, so for example, uh, but like Barcelona, you'd fly over to Barcelona uh, in a private plane with all the players and all the staff and stuff like that. You'd get bussed to the hotel. Um, you'd stay the night, maybe train that evening, depending on how early you got in, um, train the next morning. And then we would play uh, before the first team and the mini stad beside the new camp, which was amazing. Um, not an easy game, I'll tell you that. Uh, and then you'd go and watch the first team game. And straight afterwards, you'd be bussed back to the airport and you'd fly um, back again on the chartered flight, and it was it was crazy for someone for, for for a youngster. It was amazing to see, and amazing to see what you could be involved in. Do you know what I mean? Was that that thing that they've started doing recently, the last few years, where it's was it under 19s or youth development competition, and then it was is that was that what that was? So I so so I, so at the vet and initially when I first became aware of it, it was called the Next Gen Series, and it was, aye, that's it was elite, elite clubs, but it then changed. It, all the all the stuff changes all the time. Um, it then changed to being called the uh, UEFA Youth League. So you basically you essentially just mirrored what the first team did. And if the first team didn't make it, you get the opportunity to try and qualify through uh, a different route. Um, but the, the first team qualified a good two or three seasons in a row, I think, at one point. So we were getting it year after year, and it was it was it was brilliant. It was th- th- those were some of the best experiences, really. Didn't you, Sam? In a way, and I think he's run lucky against Barca. Did they no score two goals? Aye. Kind of in the second half, he's were drawn one each. Aye, aye, we did that. That was that was the that was the second time we played them. We played them back in it must have been twenty seventeen or twenty seventeen, maybe. And then we played them a couple of years later. And it was you're right. It was two one. It was it was a very close game. Um, we 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 had a big Chris Ayer playing for us. Because um, mm-hmm. he he first signed, he was kind of training was playing a few games. I was just getting settled in before he made the step up to the first team. But he was playing. I'm trying to think if any, anyone else was playing. Um, I think it was just him that's, that's involved in the first team just now. But uh, we had a good a good squad. Guys like Calvin Miller, uh, Regan Henry, boys like that. You've you probably heard of them. Yeah. Um, so we had a really good team. Uh, I'm sure I was at that one as well, Celtic Park. I'm sure it was a pretty close game. I, I think. Was it- was it the young boy it's in the first division that scored? Um, the young boy it's 
JP, is it no JP? Um, I think he plays Warrell in it. The young boy was up front. I think he scored the PJ Crossing, is that it? JP no. Crossing, is that PJ, no, so he, he's actually the bottom of me just now. That, Sorry, is he the youth in bottom? Aye, aye, aye. I, th- I, think, I think you could be right, aye. Aye. Well, I'm sad, I'm sad. I don't know how I remember that, but I'm sure, <laughs> I was at the game and I'm sure that young boy scored. I could just remember. Aye. Um, amazing experience. I've got, a wee, I've, got a, I've got a wee live question for you, uh, Sam. Uh, Aidan Makinoff says, was Dan, was Dan Fisher an inspiration to you to get to the team? That's one of my mates. I thought that. I recognise the name. Aidan Makinoff. Excellent that you played I as well. I recognise the name there. I recognise you the name. You get him on. You get him on a podcast. Um, well, welcome. Uh, by the way. But nah, to, to answer this question, no. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that a Bama question? <laughs> it's a Bama fan. I recognise the name of that next year. <laughs> You're Scotland. You've I'm glad caps. he's enjoying it. I hope he's enjoying the podcast, Aidan Makoda. <laughs> You're Scotland. You've caps, Sam. Um, must have been a really good experience for you. I, um, again, I was lucky to be involved in a lot of the, a lot of the Scotland um, competitions as well. Right from, I think it started at under 15 with the Victory Shield that used to be called. You'd play England, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Um, all the way up until under 19s, where we got to the semi-finals of the kind of under 19 European Championships, was which was unbelievable. Um, and I played, I played loads of games, and that again was was incredible experiences. Um, you get looked after again really well. Travelled the world. Uh, we had that. We had a brilliant squad as well. Uh, a lot of this the Scotland squad through the years when I was there was made up of Celtic players, and I think it, it does tend to be like that just because. We've usually got such strong squads, so you were almost playing with with your teammates every game when you were away, which is, I think, maybe why we did well as well. Yeah. Is that no obviously it shows you how good maybe the youth set was at Celtic that if they kept going to Scotland, it's, it shows you how good at the time you guys were because you were getting picked for Scotland all the time? Aye, aye, definitely. Um, I, th- I think it, I think it's quite consistent through the age groups. To be honest with you, a lot of the the Scotland squads are made up of a lot of Celtic players. Um, but th- at one point there was like nine or ten of us that would go away, which was pretty much half the squad. Um, and we were just we just bonded really well that age group. Uh, Michael Duff was was one of the good players as well. Uh, we left back. <laughs> um, but I it was credit to the the, the Celtic youth system. Uh, and giving us the kind of the platform to express ourselves and and kind of get get taken on board with the, with the Scotland setup, you know. When you came through all the youth ranks and your Scotland tournaments, was there anybody that you played against and you went, "Well, he's going to go right to the top," and now you're watching him? Oh, I, I mean, there's, I mean, you played so many games against so many different countries and clubs with Celtic in Scotland that you see guys all the time, like um, Paddy Roberts. I remember playing against Paddy Roberts. Uh, against England um, you've got Joe Gomez as well um, oh, right, aye. what's that? Aye, aye. aye big centre back at Liverpool um, guys like Solanke Izzy Brown I mean there's there's, there's so many players I can't, I can't even think a lot of European guys as well um, but to be honest with you the, the one that's probably done the best is the one that was playing for us in KT you know he's mm. He's uh, he's probably been had the most success that I can think of out of all the guys I played against over the years. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of the English boys I named there are doing well as well. Guy like Tammy Abraham, that kind of thing, big Chelsea striker. What about the Barcelona boys? Name name them. Um, Triori Wolves. <laughs> all right, aye aye aye. He wasn't that size when uh, when we played against them, so I don't know don't know what he's been eating. Uh, <laughs> well, he says he, he says he doesn't go to the gym. I don't believe I know. That's a minute. I don't believe a word. I don't believe a word of that. <laughs> he's he's in some neck. He's in some neck. He must be eating a lot of protein bars. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of protein. <laughs> see, obviously, uh-huh. we're talking about Sam. See, I'm I'm just I'm kind of obsessed with like how. Obviously, says how you you were getting nutritious, were looked after well. Do you think? Obviously, a lot of fans don't see, but it goes behind the scenes at like that. I think that's. It's a brilliant bone to have to go with the first team and get what they're having because it shows you, for me, it was obviously pushy to try and go, I want to get to that level. 
the aye, you froze a wee bit there. You're back. Um, I see. I I know you're fine. Um, it was get get seen. I got it. I got it. I heard you. Aye. So so basically, I mean, I think it's it's part of the the kind of model. The fact that you get to see so much of what the first team are doing. Um, it's really just to kind of guide you on that path because all these guys are, are top pros. I mean, they've been doing it for ages. Um, so essentially, you you get to shadow them. It's you're essentially shadowing the first team day in day out. You're watching them train. You're watching them in the gym. You're watching them when they're eating. Sounds a bit weird, but you, you, you are. Uh, and it rubs off on you. It rubbed off on me. I picked up so many good habits from whether it be coaches or first team players and little things that I just took into my game. And I think that's one of the big assets. You, you obviously move up from Barrafield to Lennox Town when you turn about, I would say, about 17. Uh, and I, I, that, that's probably one of the things you pick up most of what you learn. Uh, you're kind of watching them in the gym doing their stretching routines, what they're lifting, how they're getting faster out in the pitch. Um, and also the intensity they train at, their kind of focus, their work ethic. Um, the two that always stood out for me were, were Scott Brown and, and KT. Like just their intensity, their um, every single day they just turned up and, and gave 100%. I used to think, how how is that even possible? You just watch them, just so much energy, um, and that's why you know they are where they are because it's just relentless, day in day out, just non-stop, um, and that is good. It's really good to see as a young guy, as a young player, um, and it's it's really really good that they have that in place that you're so close to the first team. You know what I mean when you're up there training. Because obviously that's the standard. Was, uh, only go, only go, only go. Only only go, only go. <laughs> how, how was, see, when you were training with the first team that, Sam, how were they? Were you, like, as a youth player, were they good with you? Has there yet any funny stories about any of the first team players with they pranked anybody? No, nah, I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, when, I think, as we said before we came on, like, I do think that kind of side of things is maybe that, like calming down a bit, the, the, the pranking and... Um, just the way players maybe used to be treated, youth players when they used to go over, I don't think it's the same as what it used to be. Um, but there were still daft stories. Like I remember one time, uh, one of the goalies, I'm going to name him, Colin McCabe, he, he was an, an Irish boy, played for played for the youth team and he was over training and uh, I don't know what he'd, what he'd done or what game he'd lost, but he's ended up taking all his kit off and he's doing laps of the pitch just completely naked. And you're thinking, what, <laughs> what are you doing, mate? What have you done to deserve that? Um <laughs> So, I mean, there's still stuff that um, goes on, but it's it's all in good nature, all in good spirits. It's, 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 none of it's um, kind of bad, you know. It's all, it's all a good laugh and what goes on stays there. Um, so, I, and again, it's just kind of character building as well. If, if anyone does do anything, um, it's not to get at you. It's not to get under your skin or stab you in the back or whatever. It's to just kind of build you up um, for what to expect. You need to have a kind of hard outer shell, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Because that's what uh, Tony McPartland was saying. And when we spoke to him, Sam, he says when he had, he was in a, a new era with Sutton, Larson, Hartson. He says some of the stuff that they'd done, pranks and stuff, he says that was, was all about character, uh, character building and it made you actually feel part of the, the first team. Aye, definitely. I think in football especially, like the, that changing room environment, it's, it's a tough place to be. Um, a lot of players I struggle with it, I think. Um, but it is just like, because what I was having a discussion with someone the other day, and it's but basically when you're in that changing room environment, like you're so, everyone knows each other so well, you know each other inside out, especially a youth player, because you're literally spending all day at school, et cetera, that sort of thing. And it could almost come across as a wee bit bullying, right? Just because the way you get at each other. But the one thing that you do notice is that no matter what goes on, no matter how, how much you annoy someone or you get annoyed by someone or whatever happens, when it comes to match day on the pitch, like every single person has every single person's back, no matter what, hundred um, percent. So I think it is. It's, it's it's really interesting. Like it's a tough tough environment. Um, it's probably you don't get it anywhere else in any other kind of work environment at all. It wouldn't be allowed probably, but because of the nature of the sport, the nature of the job, it just it is the way it is. But the one thing I would say is when it comes to a match day, like you know the guy beside you's got your back, even if he's been an absolute dickhead all week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Training my Brendan Rogers team, Sam. I will. So he, when I was when I moved up to um, Lennox Town, it was it was Dyla, and then a few, couple of seasons in, obviously he was away, and then Brendan Rogers came in, and 
for me, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of I, I admire Brendan Rodgers massively. Um, obviously, as a coach, but just as a, a guy, as a man manager, I think he's incredible at, at what he does. He's obviously upskilled himself massively in terms of handling people, dealing with players, and not just players, but everyone at the club. The one thing I did notice just from, you know, being there and observing everything was that um, everyone felt a part of something. Like no matter what department you worked in at the club, everyone felt part of something. Um, and I think that is is very special to be able to to create something like that. You know what I mean? As a manager. Um, and his standards were top tier, like ridiculously high standards. And I think everyone strived to to get to those standards so they could be on the same level as him. Um, I, I heard that story, Sam, that, you know, it's all rumours, but how dedicated the guy was when he was going to away games. He used to put his earphones in and listen to languages. And he used to speak to the French boys in French. Like, we'd get all the French guys together. And speak to them in French tactics and all that, and I Aye. just to me that's world class. That's just unbelievable professionalism. If he's on a bus and he's listening to say Delingo, and he's maybe learning French, Spanish, whatever language he's learning, just to develop himself as a coach and speak to people in different languages, I just thought it was outstanding to him. To be honest with you, it's a standard that Celtic you like to set as an elite club. Definitely. I mean, if 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 the if the manager's taking the time to to do that. Um, it kind of tells you as a player like what kind of demand you should be putting on yourself. I'm pretty sure I don't. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure uh, he speaks possibly a few languages. Um, I know he spent time in in Spain and, and abroad. You know, watch like just kind of learning as a coach. So I do believe he speaks a few languages, which is it's, it's an unbelievable skill. It's world class, really, to have, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And how was it with yourself? Um, so obviously I was a youth player, but even at that, there, there was a good few times where I had um, kind of meetings with them. And there was there was one or two in particular when I was coming to the end of my contract, the end of my time at Celtic, and I was a bit unsure of where I was going to go next and what was going to happen. And it, it, was, it was it was quite a tough time. Um, so I remember going in for a chat with them. Um, I must have been about 20, maybe 21. And... I hadn't, I hadn't played under him. I played maybe a friend. I think it was a friendly against Leon. I played a friendly against Leon. So I hadn't played under him. He didn't really... I wasn't part of his first team squad, but he still took the time to, to sit me down and have a, a chat with me about what I should be trying to aspire um, in terms of where I should be looking to go. And, and he knew me well. He knew me as a player. Um, and I thought that was very, very good as well. I mean, you, you would say world class, the fact that he's taking time busy man to, to have a chat with me who's leaving the club and to give me a bit of advice on where I should go next what steps I should take next um, and I'll never forget that um, it's it's just it's I think it's really really important as a in a football environment to be nice to anyone you come across just because it's a small world like you, you don't know when you'll next need them or they'll need you you know what I mean yeah, that's a, that's, see the difference, obviously, you said you were, were learning in Dyla. Could you see a difference? Obviously, different managers have all different styles. Could you see a difference for learning in the Dyla and the Rodgers and how that developed you as a player? Um, so, obviously, we, um, I, I didn't have, I, I didn't play consistently at all for the first team. Um, the, the most I got was obviously that friendly and, a, and a, a training occasionally with the first team squad. But you do, obviously, the manager, whoever's in place is the manager. Their, their methods filter down. Um, so depending who it was, I mean, Brendan Rodgers came in and, and really wanted to affect the club from top to bottom in terms of all the way down to the, through the youth levels, that sort of thing. Um, Whereas, to be fair, also with, with Dyla as well, like there was a lot of changes to the diet and the food that you got. It was it was, it was was bizarre. I mean, one day you were having your, your usual healthy breakfast, next day you came in and there was a fry-up laid out for you. And you're thinking... Since when's a fry up been good for a for a for a training day? Um, but that was just the way they they'd worked. Um, it worked for them, um, so they were obviously just trying to replicate that, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing nothing wrong with that, but it's hard to shift a, a culture that's already ingrained. You know, your um, of what you're used to in terms of uh, eating and stuff like that. So he was trying to do a big cultural change as well, which I think is hard. Um, when Lenny was there the first time, I was probably too young really to to see the way he, he worked um but definitely you do see the difference in terms of managers coming in you see how players react and 
uh, the staff react, um, everyone that works with the club reacts, you know. Because obviously you're talking about Rodgers, see obviously at that time, obviously you weren't really part of the first team squad, but you still trained with them and you're still about, about, the, about, the, the, about the players. See when it was Invincible season, how was that to be about there? But just the aura about the place and as you says, you're walking to work every day and the place is buzzing. It must have been, it must have been amazing knowing you're granted a brilliant atmosphere. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was probably lucky to have, like, it was such a feel-good feel, uh, kind of factor around the club at that time. Um, everything was going well, as you said, it was that invincible season. Um, and I think it was the end of that season, or was it the season after with Rodgers, that we all, even, like, everyone at the club gets sent a kind of, a kind of coin, almost a bit of memorabilia type thing to kind of mark the invincible season, the double yeah, that sort of thing. And just wee gestures like that like can have a big impact. Um, I probably couldn't have been at the club at a better time in terms of in that environment up at Lennox Town and stuff when things were going really well, you know. You got your loan move to Dumbarton the first time? Aye. How did that come about and how did you feel about it? Um, so it was it was probably, I'm trying to think, was that, who was, who was the manager then? I, I, but of, of Celtic, I'm trying to remember if that was, if Dyla was still there or if that was, no, I, don't, I think it was, I think it was Ben Rodgers, but basically I was, <clears throat> I was hoping to get more of a look in uh, to the, to the first team and it, as things transpired, I didn't, I didn't get what I was wanting, so I was only going to have to go out and get some first team football because I hadn't played much and I was getting to about 18, 19, where you start to get to that age where you're too old to play youth, to keep playing youth football, you need to get some first team experience to progress your career. Um, so I went out to Dumbarton and that was that was one of the most enjoyable six months periods because I was getting that training from, from Celtic in terms of top quality looked after. But then I was also getting that first team football. Um, it was in the championship. We had a brilliant squad there, actually, some, some top players at Dumbarton. It was um, Steve Aitken and Ian Durant, who were a good a good match, a good combination in terms of they, they bounced off each other well. And that was my first real taste of being in a first team dressing room which is different to being in a youth, a youth dressing room, but also the first team football and the first team um, games on a Saturday. Uh, and I loved it. I played I played up until the, the January and I ended up getting an ankle injury. So it cut my kind of loan season a, a wee bit short. And then at the end of that season, I then my contract finished at Celtic and I moved on to Dundee United. How did that, how did you feel with that one? Um, I mean, so it was, it was, a, it was, it's a kind of uncertainty for players. If, I don't know if there'll be any players listening to this, but when you come to the end of your time at Celtic, it can be very uncertain. Um, you don't know where you're going to be. You don't know where you're going to go. Um, so I had no idea. I literally left Celtic and I had nothing lined up at all. And I could have gone back to Dumbarton, but I was really wanting to stay full time. Um, and Dundee United were going through a bit of a rebuild, and the, the guys that looked after me had listened. Um, there's an opportunity there to go to Dundee United, and I was like, brilliant. Um, they were looking to get promoted into the Premiership they were in the Championship good club nice stadium nice training ground um, so I thought brilliant but um, the alarm bell should have been was the fact that um, I never actually spoke to the manager before signing which was probably pretty strange I, I'm not, I would never do that again mm-hmm. um, something I've learned along the way um, and you, you turned up there in first day of pre-season it turned out the 10 other signings that had also signed hadn't spoken to the manager either so that was probably early warning signs about um, what was to come. And it was, I was, I was done United for two seasons, two years, and it was, it was a very interesting time for me personally. It was not the way I would have wanted it to go, um, but I learned a lot from it. I ended up, I was there for um, six months, and I, I ended up rupturing my cruciate ligament in my knee, so I had surgery and stuff, and I was actually out injured for a full year. Um, and then obviously that brings us back up to pretty much kind of last year. I then went on loan again to Dumbarton at the very end of my two-year spell at Dundee United. And then obviously it's kind of been all over the place with COVID and stuff like that in the last six months. You see, obviously you're talking about your bad injury. Chris, I've done my PCL, so I can only... So I'm basically, I've been told, obviously I was only playing amateur at the time. I've been told just... I can't play football anymore, so I can understand mentally how hard it would have been to play. Obviously, you're playing every day, it's different, but to that level and then get injured and you can't do it. Obviously, and at the time, you're saying it was a bit of a turbulent time as it was, and then you get injured. Mentally, it must have been quite hard for you to 
as to how, how was it to get back for an injury? Because for me, yeah, I was struggling. I'm gonna lie, I haven't thought about mental health issues, I was really struggling, and that was me really playing amateur. So for you playing it professionally, I, th- I think it must have been harder because that's your profession. So <clears> I think it's kind of interesting to know how your rehab was and how mentally you felt. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question, and the answer is probably going to be a bit of a surprise. So basically, when I first went there in, in the summer, and when I first signed, I was I was obviously looking forward to the new challenge. And over the next six months, I was I was I was basically I, I didn't get a sniff um, to to play in any of the games. Uh, and then basically the man it was the, the club was all over the place really. And the manager then kind of left, and Robbie Nielsen got brought in. And again, I I didn't I didn't get a sniff, and I was I was also. I mean, to, to be totally honest with you, I was probably struggling. I was I was struggling myself mentally mm-hmm. a lot because I'd moved. I know it's not far away, but I'd moved to Dundee. I was living myself uh, initially. I was living in student accommodation, which was it was pretty. Uh, it's a bit depressing. I mean, you're going back to this tiny wee student flat just whilst I was waiting for a kind of better accommodation in Dundee. So I was staying in this kind of crappy student accommodation. Um, I wasn't playing any football. I was feeling really down. I was feeling really depressed. And the new manager came in. You think maybe get an opportunity here? Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing. Again. He actually, I, I don't think it could get any worse at this point. I know it's not, but it was all relative. For me, it was the worst thing that could happen at that time, really. I'd moved away and I wasn't playing any football. Um, and as we said at the beginning, when you're not playing any football, everything in life feels really shit. Um, so essentially, he, Robbie Nielsen came in and he then told me to leave the club um, without giving me an opportunity to play. He, he then told me to leave the first team dressing room. So I was put with the, the youth squad, uh, which was which was brutal to take. I mean, again, I was only 20, 21, so still still relatively young. You know, I've not played a lot of first-team football. It's not what you're wanting to deal with. It's not You don't know how to deal with it, really. Um, but there was experienced players at the club who were in their 30s and said, listen, like, this happens at first-team football. It happens at a lot of clubs. And don't get me wrong, I've seen it happen at Celtic as well with guys like Dr. Uh, Richter. He get papped into our, our dressing room. Um, but back to Dundee United stuff. So basically... He told me to leave, and I was so down. I didn't know what what I was going to do. Um, and when I did my cruciate, it was it was still I was I was devastated. I was distraught. I knew I'd done something really bad. But after I did it, I then had a, a focus again. I had a kind of purpose, mm-hmm. um, and it gave me something to really focus on. In the last six months, I had had no purpose. I had no focus. Um, so I was now given something that. I had to work towards recovering myself, look after my body, and I had a kind of mission of focus, and it actually made me feel better mentally. Um, but at the same time, don't get me wrong, it was it's very tough to get through the cruciate ligament surgery and rehab. I ended up having two surgeries, and guys like yourself will know it's had problems with their knee, and also other guys, it's it's a tough injury to to get through. It's probably one of the worst in football, really. Um, but that that that's probably a bit of a different insight into what what it was like for myself. See, I think it was obviously good for yourself that you were still in maybe that environment that you were still getting rehab every day to help you mentally. Because I think if you didn't have that, me, I was just doing my own gym stuff. Aye. Um, and I'm going to lie, Sam, I was in the gym, I was in tears, I can't do this anymore, I can't do this anymore. You're putting on a bit of weight, I've never lost the weight. So, um, But ever since then, it's as you say, I lost my focus and now doing like, my work and just trying to keep myself fit and healthy and just do your life now, that's my focus. But but it comes, that must have been hard for you because to go through obviously Celtic, obviously you said it was a youth test, but you're still in that kind of first team kind of bubble sense, that that standard of a kind of professionalism, and then you go down to that level. That must have been hard mentally for you going through injury and getting told, listen, you're no a part of this. For me, that must have been, especially at your age, hard Aye. to take. And then obviously, but it was good to have the experience, guys, to kind of give you a shoulder lean on and help you. Yeah. I I mean, that was, that was probably... Again, it's all relative. Like it's not the worst thing in the world, but to me at the time, it was the worst thing in the world, and it got me. It got me down. Um, but as you said, the fact that I had things in place like the physios, the daily care, um, it, it's a it's a total game changer. Extremely lucky to be in that position. Um, if I was doing it myself, I know I've spoken to boys just through social media and stuff who are doing it themselves, and it's it's tough. There's a real lack of like, what do I do? When am I ready to do this? When do I progress? When do I move on? Because a lot of the stuff with the knee is it's building your confidence back mm-hmm. up um, after it. Because it's a big trauma to the leg, you know. Um, but I was lucky to have the physios and the support from the club 
Um, they did look after me. They gave me my surgery. They paid for my surgeries all private, and they did look after me. As soon as my my knee was done in, they started to actually kind of um, show a bit more um, interest in, in care. There was also a reshuffle of um, people coming in and stuff uh, higher up. Because obviously, see, like a lot of people don't realise as well, like the injury to a football is actually. I know people say you're getting paid this money or you're getting this help, but it's still a job and it's still very, for me, going through injury at a low level is very hard. So for a guy like yourself, who's your profession, people don't realise how you've kind of gave up your life to be a footballer. So when you can't do that job, it's, it's very hard. It must be very hard to actually, but as you see, you've got a focus to rebuild. So again, it could yeah. be a positive in a sense where you rebuild and try and get, maybe get stronger, maybe a better play for it. Yeah, I d- definitely. There's definitely two sides to, to, to I had that focus, but on the other side, you, you're not doing what you love to do. You're not playing. You're not training. Um, and to be honest with you, I found it kind of hard to watch games and stuff like that because you're just watching what you're missing, and it just reminds you of um, kind of what what you're not being able to do because it's a long time. I, I was a year without really kind of doing any running or anything like that. Even just being out in the grass and being with kind of your teammates, having a laugh that. Just you're you're totally separated from what's going on. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I cause and obviously I, you're you're doing it every day. It's your job. It's full, it's your full time thing. I cause for, for me, I've not played football in about four years, so I'm I'm kind of for a while even watching Celtic. I was finding it hard to watch football because I was even going to watch my dad's team play stuff. I was like, I don't want to watch because I should be playing. So I was like, I don't want to watch. But now I'm starting to. That's it. I'm starting to enjoy watching football for a different aspect of coaching side doing stuff. So, but see for yourself, obviously, you mentioned guys like Dirk Marikton and stuff. A lot of fans don't know if he was any good or what was he like. Did you see any glimpses of guys that who get maybe who are training with the UFC? Like that's the standard still. They're still very good players, and that was good to have that experience. He's very guys in that dressing room. I I mean the the one thing I would say is like he didn't he didn't chuck it or his attitude. He still trained. Like considering what had been he'd been tossed by us, um, he, he was his attitude was still brilliant. Like he still worked very very hard every single session. Like it wasn't as if he wasn't interested that sort of thing, um, which is credit to him and his mindset. Because um, at the end of the day, like football is a, a constant cycle. Managers come, managers go. You might not be like for example, someone else might come in and, and took him right back and put him right in the, the starting eleven. Do you know what I mean? Um, so as a player, you need to make sure you're ready for and when that happens because it, it does happen you just go through cycles in football because obviously because I, I can remember his debut I was at his debut and I was like this guy's a builder he was so quick to, and then he got injured but obviously you were you were aware of him and that kind of the Celtic bubble was it it was just injuries that really done him and then anything else <laughs> probably, I probably didn't help him um, it used to get called the cannon because his left foot was an absolute rocket launcher man um, but he, he, he was a good player Um just as I was saying kind of at the start, like there's a lot of things as a footballer that m- maybe get people on the outside don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff on and off the pitch that need to align in terms of for you to have a good, for, for you to be in form. Um, sometimes when you think a player's not playing well, you think, oh, his form's dipped. But the reason his form's dipped might be because maybe his missus is falling out of him in the house, but you mm-hmm. just don't see that. You don't even think about that. Maybe, I don't know, he's just had a bad, bad night's sleep. Maybe some the manager said something to him or something. You just don't know. There's just so many factors that can that can that can happen that can knock someone off. As as we have spoken about before, that it's not just all about on the park. It's your life. I think that's why I think for me, I, I take my heart after footballs at any level, it's like yourself at any level, because it's not just on the park. You need to deal with eating properly. It's your social life. It's also social media. Get a big it's twenty four seven. It's not just about playing football. And that's how we see people at. I kind of get a hump when people say, oh, they're getting this money, but you don't know the rides. Obviously, we all know some football players are overpaid, right? But that's the, that's the industry we're in now. But you don't realise what they need to do, what they've done to get there. So, Aye. for me, see, see if somebody's getting 10 and a week or something, enjoy it, because you've deserved it. You've got to that level where I've not yeah. been, you've made the sacrifices. And for me, it takes a lot to get to, even yourself, Sam. I know you may have not played with the first team a lot, but still to get to that level, it takes a, your mindset and... Just have it, and obviously ability as well. You obviously have a lot of ability to get to that, and obviously you learn through guys like Scott Brown, even Kieran Taylor, who's living about the same age as you. It's just to have the experiences. It's for me, it's just brilliant to have that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
I, I would say it's it's easy to say from the outside, oh, they're getting paid this and that, right? But from my experience, you do like personally, I made a lot of sacrifices growing up. Again, that their sacrifices like like a social life, pretty much. Um, you, you, if you want to be at the top level, you you don't have the same social life as um, your mates or anything like that. You miss out on a lot of stuff, which is it's quite a big sacrifice when you're growing up. Um, it's, it can be quite lonely as a footballer. Um, so to be honest with you, I think it's a short career as well. I, I don't think footballers are, are overpaid. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will disagree with that, but I think they earn their money. If you were to put yourself in their shoes for a week or a month, you'd probably be like, fuck this. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tough gig. And then, as you say, you've got all the all the shite coming in from the media. And then if you had a bad game, all the shite in social media as well. Um so you do, you're getting paid to basically get abused a lot of the time. Um, is that something you get, I don't know if you get taught that at Celtic when you're growing up, do you get do you get media training to do with media and stuff or that, or is that just, do you just need to do it naturally? To be honest, mate, it's a good point. You, you from, from anyway, from my experience, you don't actually get anything, you get social media training and stuff like that, told not what to, told what not to tweet, that sort of thing, like just to be careful, etc. But there's probably not anyone that comes in and says, by the way, when you sign for Celtic, um, you're going to get a lot of abuse on Twitter, a lot of abuse on social media, on, on Instagram, etc. No one really warns you. But a lot of these guys, they're not daft. They'll know, they'll know that's going to happen. But at the same time, you get a lot of praise as well when it's going good, you know? Obviously, recently there's a lot of stuff about social media, but a lot of players have said when it's gone good, even they still don't comment on it because you know, as you say, it only takes a bad game and then it's you're the worst player ever. And I think for me, I don't, I, I, I don't know if it was something that maybe clubs at any level should maybe. I don't know if you, I don't know what to do with Barcelona, Madrid, Leipzig. I don't know what to do if it's stuff with Celtic. But do you think maybe that's something that should maybe get put in to when you go sign for these big clubs? Listen, this is what you might expect. This is what you can say, and this is what you should be doing. Aye, I mean, definitely. But then also you could say maybe everyone that has a Twitter account needs to be told or taught how to how to be not a dick. You know what I mean? A lot of people just think, oh, he won't see this message. You know what I mean? And they, they fire it away. You see it down south all the time with some of the abuse that the Premier League players get. Um, so both both ways, like, there probably should... I mean, there should be a bit, a bit more support there for players because I know it's, it's tough. I know the players that have, that have just completely turned off their social media or, or logged off deleted their account because it's it's just it's a it's a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. They're trying to relax home with their family and they're getting just you know what I mean, just dogs just non-stop. Um so I think you're right, it could it could be definitely something that could be brought in. It's obviously for, for me I think it's a big thing is social media, I've kind of I've kind of I'm I wish I didn't grow up in this generation with me because it is but as in a good sense, it is a good thing because obviously yourself, you've got a business now and myself doing podcasts and other people, businesses, it can be a, a positive. But obviously when it comes to a lot of footballers, it's, it's a negative and it's something that I don't think it's it's, 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 it's going to get stamped out. But as you said, I don't think it will get stamped out because it's just it's easy to log on a Friday and Saturday with a few beers and you play a bit of abuse. And for I me, know. It's, 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 it's wrong, um, especially... I've seen Celtic players get the issues because obviously the season that it's maybe no good turnout, which we all thought it should be. And for me, I think maybe it's the fans maybe need to lay up sometimes as much as we need to vent our frustrations because we can't go to games obviously due to COVID and lockdown. But I think it's got to be kind of toned down a wee bit. Aye, maybe. I mean, the, the question you just need to ask yourself before you said it and is would you say it to them if you were standing having a conversation in the pub? Do you know what I mean? Like, you, chances are you probably wouldn't. You, you might do. You might do. Um, but I, it's just, it's, it's. I mean, the, the only thing I could really see it changing is if there was more, more accountability on the social media platforms. Where, you know what I mean? Like, you've got some sort of kind of ID where it flags up. I imagine you're going for a job and they could see all everything that you tweeted. I mean, you probably wouldn't tweet half the stuff that you did. Um, it's, it's, it's just because it's the age of social media. But as you said. It's good. It can be really good to connect people. The insights you get to the club from their social media stuff, because I've still got Celtic and Twitter, Instagram and stuff, you get really good insights. Mm-hmm. And it's good to see what, what's happening behind the scenes. Because obviously, obviously you spoke about how like, Instagram and Celtic, it shows the training and stuff. 
fans might fans might again see that and go, "What? Why did you stay? We heard those. They don't know it. They don't say it's a lot <laughs> intense training." As you says, oh, Bob Brown and Tim Fairley. See, when you look at obviously he interviews for other players and how like, Scott Brown he is, he has he has a captain. He leads for the front. He's always high intensity training. For me, see like yourself to learn for guys for that to actually go, "Wow, that's." For me, that must have some experience to obviously know just for your football career, for just in general life. Aye, definitely. Because, I mean, these guys were like the kind of upper tier of high standards. And if you take that into your football, like you're going to do well. If you take it into any other aspect of your life, you're going to do well. Um, and I think that was that's definitely one of the invaluable things I took from, from being at the club was just being able to see that, um, the high standards, that sort of thing. Because obviously me with Celtic as well, in the invincible season with Dembele, Sinclair, guys like that. But see, see, seeing them firsthand, obviously, how good were they? Because for me, I was a big fan of Sinclair and Dembele. For me, they were brilliant. That that team for me, the standards were superb. See, just being about the guys, was that just a total learning curve? I completely. I mean, just just we things always pick things up. Like you'd what you'd see the guys in the training be doing that a little bit extra. Uh, you'd see guys up in the gym doing that a little bit extra, and it was it was those seasons. Um, where they were doing really well, where the, the, the team would be out doing a little bits like Sinclair would always, always do is we dribbling a little fast feet at the end of training himself. And I mean, he was a very accomplished, accomplished older player. Um, well, re- relatively old in terms, he wasn't 20, 21 kind of thing, and he's still doing that little bit extra. You know what I mean? Mm. And it just goes to show you, like, these, like to be a top player, you need to do that. Um, and it helps you, it helps you really focus. Uh, and in yourself, you're like, I should be doing that as well. Aye, because when you see the guys, uh, for me, it's just, I'm upset to see how the guys go for but the youth up to that and keep the standards. And as you say, people say they're overpaid, but to keep the standards for 15 years, 17 years, whatever, it's guys like Sinclair, you're always doing extra. That just, for me, it just epitomises what the football players are about. It's the standards and to get to that level, even yourself, Sam, even playing with yourself to youth, it's still a... To get to that level, it takes a lot of a lot of extra hard work. Aye, no, you do. You have to be incredibly professional. Yeah, and I would say personally, like I put, I put a lot, a lot of work in day in day out. Um, I, I'm I probably quite an obsessive personality. So when I was doing my, when I was doing everything, I was doing everything, and I was trying to take in as much as I could, and I was trying to get one percent everywhere. Um, one story. So that you get loads of the supplements and stuff mm-hmm. up at the club. Um, so obviously you get protein, but you also get supplements like multivitamins and fish oils and all these different tablets. God knows if any of them actually work, right? <laughs> I'm looking at them all and I'm thinking, uh, there was days where I'd have about 10, 15 tablets, like all, all kind of natural stuff. Mm-hmm. It was just things like that. Like I was obsessed. I was like, if that can make me just a little bit better, I'm going to get my hands on it and take it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was amazing. You, the, 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 the first team players every morning, they get put out a wee tray of, of specifically all the wee supplements and stuff that they need to take. So it's a very, I mean, it's 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 very detailed. All the everything that goes into the training. You don't just turn up, mm-hmm. go onto the pitch, and then leave again. It's, there's so many different kind of cogs that come together um, to make you that can just give you that extra little bit, uh, extra little percent. That that's that's it's good to mention that because as as fans, we don't see all that. You don't see you getting Aye. early and having to take certain supplements, certain foods, certain to make you that bit better. And for me, that's. that's it's brilliant to actually hear that because as fans you don't know what goes behind the scenes people just see social media and think ah, he's not good enough I'd it. but to get to that standard you're taking all that for me that's it shows you how to, what actually happens at a professional level yeah Aye, and the, the one thing I would say is because I was there for so long you saw like times when it was going good times when it was going bad but the one thing that never changed was it wasn't like the players just stopped trying some days when they came in like they would still be taking all their supplements, they would still be going to see the physio, they would still be doing all their extras, like they'd still be doing all that. You know what I mean? It's not like they stopped doing it all and that's why they're playing bad. Um that so that's that's another thing that kind of just there's like every single day you have to be there. You can never be there, you know what I mean? Every single day. I think I think I speaking to yourself and obviously other guys here on other podcasts, and that's what they say to you've got to if it is fifteen years, twelve years of your career. You need to be at the highest level, even yourself in Newport and Barton. You still need to be every day in training outside of life. You're still a professional football player. You still need to keep to the high standards. And for me, that's even for me, it's trying to reach off with Chris. It's hard. So Aye. for you to do it every day, for me, that's it, 
takes a lot to do that, and people say it doesn't, but for me it does. To look after your body well and keep yourself fit every day, that's hard. It is, it is but just like anything, if, you, if you've been doing it for so long, it becomes a habit, you know what I mean? It just becomes a way of life, it just becomes normal. Um, but I, I mean, I'm only 23, so there's still time to make a return to the aye. old stele, you know? And as I say, you're only 23, so you've still got, you're not even past your peak yet, so you've still got a lot exactly. to a still lot to peak. I still to peak. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, you're Dumbarton around, obviously, COVID and lockdowns, but the lower leagues have been affected. How how has it affected, obviously, guys in like Dumbarton to a club, and how, is, how do you feel it's affected the lower level of football? Obviously, maybe nobody play, train, you know, when they're doing your own workouts, maybe Zoom calls with a few of the teammates. How how has it affected the lower levels? I think it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's been pretty frustrating because we we didn't start until quite late in the year, last year, which, and they, they also chopped off 10 of the games, I'm pretty sure it was 10 of the games, so instead of 36, it was only going to be 26, I'm pretty sure, so already you're, you're looking at this kind of more compact season, um, and then it, we, I played my last game on the 24th of December, no, I, 24th, no, 26th of December was my last game, so it's been a long time, the last time we played, last time we trained, and to be honest with you, they keep they keep pushing it back and back and back, and I don't I honestly don't know how they're going to fit in all the games, mm. and it's 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 just a kind of it's probably a, a money thing really. The the clubs in, in my league and the league below don't have the money to test the same way the championship and premiership are, but there's there's nothing there's nothing we can do really. Don't have the facilities, don't have just don't have the same infrastructure. Um, but but still- I'm thinking uh, I don't know. We'll see. Were you, st- were you getting tested at all once a week or something? Or no, I mean, so the, no, no, no testing, no testing. So, so it doesn't surprise me that it was stopped because we weren't actually getting tested. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was no difference between us playing and my mates playing. Like there was no other safety. I mean, obviously we're being safe. You were never inside and you had masks and all that on. Um, but there was no testing. The only time we get tested was when we played Kelly in a, a cup game. Right. So that, that's the only time we'd be tested. And we're actually, well, we'd, we had a a game against the junior team to play in the Scottish Cup and then potentially a game against Aberdeen. So we would get tested in that as well. Uh, but so that's why that's why it get called it get called off our stuff because there was no testing. And obviously the last week, but Sam, your future. Um, I know you're I've seen on Instagram and stuff you're doing kind of training with footballers and stuff like that. How's and obviously football, which are kind of aspirations football wise and obviously the future when it comes to your own business. Um so Personally, I've only started up last last year in the last year, and essentially what I've started to realise is everything that I was doing when I was growing up at Celtic, I've absorbed and I like coaching people and helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just I started up an, an online thing just for basically anyone really who wants to get in shape, and that's just a, a sixty three day program. Uh, but it's currently there's already a, a group that started in January. There's another one starting in May. Um, but another thing I've started up is a a private Facebook group for footballers, anyone that plays football. And it's essentially just a, a support system, a, a kind of mechanism for guys who don't know what to do training-wise, are struggling with their nutrition, their mindset. Um, you've actually given an idea going live uh, in the Facebook group tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to get one of my mates on who did a scholarship out in the States and just right. give young footballers an insight into alternative kind of journeys and stuff that they can go on. It's not like a professional contract here is not the be-all and end-all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my two projects that, Kind of private Facebook group for support. And I'm doing. I says that's it's good to obviously have that in the back burner because as you say, it's a short career. Um, you've got a lot of stuff you need to do after football, and having stuff for like that in the back back burner is obviously just going to help you in the future. Yeah, definitely, and I, I'm I'm passionate about it. Like I really do. It's it's my kind of interest. Um, you know, looking after yourself and your body and your mind. Um, I think it's a good, I think it's quite a natural progression for footballers. You know, they've got a lot to share. They've picked up a lot of skills over the years as players and they can share them. Um, so I, I'm loving it. I says, mate, uh, it's, it's brilliant to kind of hear your speeches. Obviously, I'm a big Celtic fan. It's to hear the ins and outs, say, obviously, players and how you kind of brought up and train. It's, it's a good insight for me personally. Obviously, Robert, um, he's, he's wee win, he's great there, so I had to go after him. <laughs> it's just, just good as well because I'll try guys like yourself on because it's good to hear your experiences and how to get how it is to get to that level because a lot of people don't really realise how hard it is to actually get to that level 
consistently all the time. Aye, it's 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 hard work. But if there's any youngsters listening, just just work just work hard and keep high standards in everything you do, not just your football, your school stuff, and all that as well. Um, so many parents that get boys and or, or girls in youth teams, uh, don't be too hard on them. Let them enjoy themselves, um, but make sure they're keeping their high standards. And cheers for cheers for getting me on. I've I've had I've had great fun. No, oh, um, I've enjoyed it myself. I love Aid Macduff still <laughs> listening. I had a few comments, I think he's pals, but I left him out because I think there's a piss. <laughs> but as I say, Sam, it's been brilliant to have you on, mate, and I, uh, I just hope, Bob, for in the future, uh, everything goes well for you and keep safe. Cheers. Cheers, Ryan. appreciate Cheers, appreciate being on. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.